Welcome to Real Estate Real World, where we talk to the movers, shakers, and leaders that are getting it done right now in the real estate industry and beyond. Your host is Marguerite Crispillo, and she started this podcast simply to talk to cool people about what's really happening in this crazy roller coaster ride of real estate. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and stay up to date on the newest stuff by adding yourself to the list at www.realestaterealworld.com. Now your host, Marguerite Crispillo. Hello, everybody. It's Marguerite Crispillo, and it's another wonderful day here in, I'm actually in Roseville, California, and getting ready to record another fascinating podcast with I'm going to mess up his name, Billy Ikofo. Oh, I got it. I got Yay. it. Yay. And I'm going to read his bio, but I think he's such a fascinating man. I've watched him a lot on Facebook and social media and always inspiring, always kind, always giving great information, giving way, way, way more than he gets back. Uh, and I've heard so many good things about him in all the different circles. So I said, I have got to talk to this guy. So, here we have Billy Ikofo, and he was born in the United States, but of Congolese origins. Billy's life continues to be marked by his relentless pursuit of excellence and a deep passion for community and social impact. Billy is a trained communication and business professional with over 10 years of combined academic and professional experience from living, studying, and working in Central Africa, Europe, the Middle East, and Asia. Wow, you've been all over the place. I try to. <laughs> Billy completed his MBA at the College of William and Mary with an emphasis on real estate and entrepreneurship in May 2013 and joined Century 21 Redwood Realty in January of 2014 as an agent. And since 2015 as one of the company's lead managers. Everyone wants to talk about leads, don't they? Yes. In addition to real estate, Billy's other passion is peace building. Love that. Mm -hmm. He currently sits on the board for Pilgrims of Ibeline, how do you say that? Ibeline. Ibeline, a U.S.-based nonprofit organization which sponsors several peace-building initiatives in Israel and Palestine. Billy is married to Karen Daly Ikofo, and they have two boys, Liam and Jonathan, and reside in Ashburn, Virginia. I'm going to be in Virginia in a couple weeks. I'm speaking at the Virginia Association of Realtors. Now you should stop by and say hello. I will make it a point to do that. I would love to. Um, it's in. It's the Virginia Association of Realtors, but I'm not exactly sure where the event is being held. I want to say it's in Maryland. Yes, yes. Is that far from you? No, it's okay. not that far. Well, then yeah. we'll be sure. I'll figure out because I'm staying an extra day, too, because I had a couple other people I wanted to see. I have my friend Vinny Apostolico and Evangeline uh, are both going to be out there, so I'm going to go visit with them. So Excellent. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So. Cool. All right. Well, let's chat a little bit. Uh, Century 21, what made you decide to get into real estate? Because you've been all over the world. What did you do before you got into real estate? <laughs> I was in business school, uh, in graduate school. And so, let's see, I graduated in May 2013. And between May 2013 and December 2013, I job searched like crazy. Right, and so and I, I know I wanted to be in international development because, again, you know, my background and my academic training sort of pushed me in that area. That's what I wanted to do, go around the world, you know, help people in dire situations, work in that, those, that kind of field. 
and I look for work. And DC is very known for being the center for like nonprofits and NGOs, and so it was a strategic move from for us to move in the area. But after spending you know six plus months looking for full time work and doing in informational in interviews and whatnot, nothing was opening up. And at that time, we lived with my in laws. And so my father-in-law just had this, um, I guess you can call it epiphany. And he was like, well, I think you have to consider real estate. And I looked at him and I said, basically, no, I don't want to look at real estate. Because, you know, I just spent all this money getting an MBA. Why in the world would I, you know, want to be in a profession where your primary living is earned on the commission? (laughs) At least at that time, that's what I thought real estate was about. And then he kept on saying, well, you know, the market here is... Yeah, it's pretty good. I think your personality and, you know, I think you'll make a great realtor. So I was like, okay. And he offered to actually pay for my pre-licensing course. And so I went through the course, learned, uh, got my license in late December 2013. And um, it was with Long & Foster, a prominent um, real estate company in the area. But instead of joining Long & Foster, I started, in, you know, trying to look for something else. And... I came across, um, I, well, I actually went on Facebook, this is actually pretty funny, and I asked, I just made a, you know, put a comment up there and saying, hey, I'm looking for a broker, um, you know, if anybody has recommendations, please let me know. And a good friend of mine from college was like, oh, you have to talk to this person. He thought I was looking for an agent to buy a home. <laughs> and so he connected me to our former broker um, at that time. Uh, she. She's no longer with the company she left um, and got back in the field. But wonderful person, her name is Karen Cooper. Um, and so I connected with Karen and I just told her, like this is, you know, I'm looking to I guess, get in real estate, I'm trying to find a way to provide for my family. Kind of told her my background and she was basically like, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll definitely consider you. And so, you know, and at the time, the brokerage, we did not have an agent training program like we do now and so, they really had to look at me, you know, and see, well, is this guy worth teaching real estate to? Is he worth mentoring? Is he worth, um, you know, showing the skills you know, to be a good agent? And they made a decision, right, to, you know, bring me on board as an agent. And so, you know, what started out as a, real, you know, basically, I didn't, I did not want to be in the industry. You know, I was really reluctant about joining it. Became a conduit for a lot of things, right? Mm-hmm. So. You know, I, I started out as an agent a year and a half into it. You know, the opportunity came for me to be a weekend lead manager out of one of our offices. And so I did that. And then working with the um, CMO of our company, you know, like Eddie Berenbaum, you know, on some systems, uh, trying to design systems for our agents and, you know, for some of the tools that they use. And it naturally just involved from that. And so today I serve as one of the company's lead manager, you know, which is great. So, yeah. So what exactly does a lead manager do? Tell me what, what, what is it that you do when you're managing leads, so to speak? Because this title is used in a lot of different ways. So Yes, yes. I like to think I'm a glorified matchmaker. Um, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it, it's interesting because we have, you know, I will say two books of business, right? You have a good portion of our business comes from relocation, right? And so... But then we have our own set book of business as well. Essentially, Redwood proprietary business. So things, 
you know, the way we gather, gather leads through uh, marketing, you know, to content that we push, all those inquiries, so just people picking up the phone or reaching us by email, that's the type of, you know, prospect that I, you know, I incubate and I follow up with and I try to, you know, my, my job essentially is not only incubation, but also matching them up with an agent that will service them well. And so, you know, the title of glorified matchmaker comes from there because, you know, as someone talks to you, you're trying to have a good conversation with a prospect, the way they talk or the way they, you know, some of the things that they're passionate about kind of put a picture in my head. You know, we have 400 agents, but you have to really be strategic about who to match them with. And so that's where the magic happened, right? And so as the, the prospect talks and you're like, okay, I know exactly who they will, you know, who would be a good agent for them and you reach out to that agent you match them up and before you know it you get something like Billy how did you know it will work out well it's like well that's I'm the magician that's what I do and so that I love it right and, and so so that's so interesting to me because I think I love the thought of that and the process of it because I think what happens with most teams we'll say teams or brokerages mm -hmm is that those leads come in, and even I'm guilty of this, I just do a round robin, like whoever picks up the phone first is kind of who gets that lead. And I think right. that you end up, I'm assuming, I know that we do, burning through a lot of leads because maybe it's not a good match or a good fit. So how, how do you decide really who to pick? Like what does that conversation look like? Because if I'm understanding you correctly, you're the first point of contact for a lead. So right. Sally Smith calls off of a sign at 123 Main Street and she gets you, right? Right. Okay. Right. And so all those leads that are coming from all the different sources are filtering through you first. You're their first point of contact. Yes. And so, you know, I have, I established a good relationship with Sally Smith, right? And so, you know, and the goal for me, it's always to try to set up an appointment. So that's the direct, you know, you, you, the faster you get to an appointment, you know, the more, con in my, my experience, the more, um, the likelihood for converting that lead or that prospect just shoots up tremendously. Because at that time, you set the appointment, they meet with an agent face-to-face, -face, rapport is built, they go from there. Um, and so that's basically what I do, um, trying to get an appointment set, and so, you know, pinging the agent um, that I think, you know, in this criteria, right, conversion, you know, past conversion, are they able to convert online leads, you know, prospect, you know, is this an area that they're familiar with, right, and so knowledge of the area, availability, all that plays into it. And so, Sally Smith inquires, talks to Billy, Billy reached out to the agent he thinks will sell, service the Sally Smith, um, and you know, I was an agent too. So when a prospect comes in, I do my best to internalize, you know, the prospect. It's like if I'm receiving, you know, that information, right? What sort of things would I love to learn right from the spot? And so as I talk to, you know, and you talk to a lot of people during the day. So you know, you only have a short amount of window to gather really interesting information. You know, are they working with an agent? Which is a vetting question. No, they're not. Okay, you know that that's someone that's genuinely looking for help. Um, if they've been looking at homes for a while, uh, yes, or they just started looking. Okay, an agent needs to know those kind of things so they can approach them with a plan or a strategy. And then once the match is made, 
then you know everything else is basically follow up and you know reporting tools and processes set in place for the agent to communicate with me on how they do it. So I have a couple questions. First of all, in the follow-up process, so Sally Smith gets matched up with, I don't know, John Ward, and John is the agent, and then mm -hmm. they meet with that agent, and then do you continue to follow up with that, that no, client? I, or at no. that point, does it be now become the agent's responsibility? It becomes the agent's responsibility. Um, you know, I set the tone, not setting the tone, I don't like to use that kind of imagery um, but I'm in the first line you know Sally Smith talks to me you know hopefully gets a good impression and a good feel about the company and the service that we provide and then I reassure her that the agent that's going to be working with her you know it's part of a member of my team a member of my company and when that match is made they go and do you know they are off so to say so to use language of some of the other brokerages, you're essentially like an inside sales type person, right? Yeah, director of first impression, inside yeah. sale. Yeah, magician. they all use different titles. I like the magician <laughs> and matchmaker ones. Those are my favorite. It. So it's a love story, right? You're, you're trying to build a love story, and so you're the conduit for a magic to happen. You know, And it doesn't end with the sale. I, I honestly believe that when a good match happens, there's just continuing benefits from it. I love like, that. That's a that's a little tweetable there. That's a, that's something to tweet. Yeah. <laughs> a bit romantic what we do. It, um, it is. I, you know, numbers matters, I, and I get that. But I think you add a little bit of you know rose petal into this whole venture, and magic does happen. So. Oh, I love that. I love that. I bet your wife adores you too. You must be very romantic. <laughs> you'll, you'll need to have it on a podcast, and she'll she's going to tell you the story of how we met. Oh, <laughs> I would. I would. <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's take it to the numbers sense then, right? Because you know people want to know the numbers, and I'm a numbers kind of gal. So how does that work with numbers? Like, do you keep track? Of, obviously, I'm sure you keep track of how many leads are generated and how many yes. you convert into appointments. How what do those kind of numbers look like for you? Like, how many leads are generated in a month, and right. do you know what your conversion rate is for appointments? And then, do you also track how many of those appointments? actually close yes we, so I have to we have to track everything um, I will say just to give you a general idea let's say three leads come in right and so out of three leads right now closing we, we are on track and closing one so about 33 percent that's a great now, conversion rate well you know you always thank you we always shoot for bigger right. right and so and you know we also track and the way we do it we have several portals to which you know leads come in and so you know all those you know we track leads according to the portals and the conversion rate according to portals as well and so you know I will say for about five leads all together coming you know we're about two and a half well one and a half to two conversion and so you know, and this is based on appointments, right? So, you know, five leads come in, you have about three appointments set, you convert, you know, two will close. Yeah, and so, it, it, you know, and it, everybody is gonna have its own sets of numbers, you know, in terms of how well they're doing, depending on where the source of the leads comes from. And so for us, is that's what we use to track them. So some of the numbers that I uh, talk a lot about in a lot of the training and stuff that I do is 
the numbers that I've seen is if if a lead comes from advertising, meaning internet based or just general ads that are ran, the conversion is typically a hundred to one, meaning a hundred leads from internet and advertising, right. you'll get one deal that'll close. If it's from a business source, like you guys have relocation people, so that skews the numbers. If it's from a business source, like a uh, a BNI group or a Latip or your mm -hmm. business associates or affiliates or things like that, the conversion is typically 10 to one. If it's database, if it's a past client, personal friends, sphere of influence, mm -hmm. things like that, it's a three to one conversion. And so I, I'm always preaching work on your database, right? The conversion rate is higher. Now if you take right. all that uh, on average, a conversion rate is if you take all of it combined, say a hundred leads from yeah. advertising, yeah. your business leads, your sphere, the conversion is typically about 10%. And honestly, I think the conversion rate, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think the conversion rates are so low because most people don't have a you. They don't have a, a lead manager, a matchmaker, a, somebody who's making those calls, meaning a lot of the internet leads, I think, and advertising yeah. leads either go unanswered, unfollowed up on, right? Something they're, right. they're not following up on them. I, you know, there's a. I think you're pretty much on par with what I've been seeing. Um, and so, you know, there's always great strength in a referral that's been already vetted, of course. Right? Which is, you know, where your SOI can comes into play. You know, someone comes to you and say, I have a friend that's looking to buy, this is what they're looking for, I would like for you to help. Like that to me is an immediate conversion. Exactly. You know, unless the friend decides for some odd reasons not to buy a home anymore, you know, then you know, there's that, which does happen. Right. But generally speaking, it's very much guaranteed conversion. You know, internet leads, in my opinion, are a lot difficult to convert because you know those people are not looking to get married right, right away. <laughs> They're still right? on so, Match.com. They're just looking. That's it. <laughs> that's it. They, you know, they found this property and it, it looks interesting. And you know, they haven't thought about an agent. They haven't thought about financing most of the time. They're just looking to see that home. Hence the idea of appointments, right? right? And so if you have, you know, if, if the goal is to try to convert them, um, you know, meeting them, setting in appointments, and having that being the start of the process. At least you're fifty percent there. Right. So okay, I met them. You know, we shook hands. They tore the home. I asked them what they wanted, or what they liked about the home, and they told me exactly. You have all that data that you capture. Then the follow-up becomes a bit natural from that point because you know you have a point of reference, and that's where I think you know we can certainly work on increasing the conversion rate um, with internet leads. And I think the mistake that people make. You know, it's you know they, they they see them as immediate conversions, right? And so, oh my gosh, if I get to them faster, I can convert them right away. Well, that's not really the case because that's a different animal. You know, you have to really you know, a you have to you know the face to face is important, right? The moment you meet them, the moment you shake hands and you see them, and you get the you know the feel about the home or any other home you visit that day, that takes you know it, it it's it's a step towards conversion. Right, and so um, you can consider that a conversion itself. It's like, okay, I went from just you know getting the info about a person to meeting them first to face. So that's first conversion. And then where do we go from there? We actually see, saw a bunch of homes. Okay, that's you know I took them on a tour of three homes. That's second sets of conversion. 
they really like this home. We put it in the contract. You know, they want to write a contract on it. Okay, third. And then you kind of move from that standpoint. And it's not immediate, right? And so I think, you know, for people involved in lead gen, um, and we know that, you know, as you work with leads, that's, or prospects, as I like to call them, um, you, you see that being played out. And so I don't, I don't subscribe to the idea that, you know, and then that, well, let me backtrack. I think the reason why people, you know, brokerages and agents don't really pay attention to online leads is because it's not right now, you know, it, right? It, it's not the same feel as a good SO, you know, sphere of influence, you know, prospect, right? The referral you get from your friends and family, it's pretty much a guaranteed transaction. One that comes from, you know, the portals that we all like, you have to work a little bit harder at them. So, but what I find interesting though is you confirm what I say all the time about the fact that you know those are the best quality leads, it's guaranteed business in a lot of ways. But very few agents actually follow up with and maintain, they many don't even have a database, then right. they don't follow up with the database, they don't maintain it, they don't do any of that. I mean, honestly the numbers are astronomical at how few do that but so and then they're doing all this advertising and you know all this different stuff to generate business but then they're not right. following up with that so what do you think those issues and challenges are is it fear of the of the phone is it i mean i, I guess that's kind of my question is why don't agents follow through more with their database and then a lot are not even following up with the leads they're generating I, I mean, you're an anomaly in that situation <laughs> in that as you're as you know, the, the people at your company, you're obviously brilliant in having someone like you. But that's not very normal for most brokerages, it may be for a team, right? It might be but even teams are not really doing it very well. I, you know, it, I think it's going back to the idea of instant, you know, the gratifying prospect, you know, online leads are not gratifying in the sense that Oh, I should say very few of them will give you that gratification, right? So, you know, you have to be, you have to approach them from that perspective. Like this is not someone that's looking, again, going back to the whole marriage, you know, um, similarity. Like this, I need to be dating this person. I need to show this person value. And, the, you know, the, the easiest way to do that is to be able to meet them face to face, trying to get in front of them and say, look, I'm here to assist you. You know, they're not, they're just looking to inquire on the home, right? You're trying to sell them everything about your brokerage right there, that's just not gonna work. And so, you know, they wanna see the home in the corner, of, you know, Billy Street, set an appointment to see the home on the corner of Billy Street. As you're setting the appointment, you can find some, some quick information, you know, um, are you working with, already working with an agent well no we're not okay good um have you been looking in the are, are you interested in other homes in the area sometimes they will say as a matter of fact we are there's one in the corner and then another one two streets over that to me is a good indication that these people are actively looking right if they say we're just interested in this one home again you know it might take you a while to convert them because they're only looking at one home right now but it's still worth following up with and so just having that mindset it's like you know that that makes a lot of difference and also to go back to your to your question i think people are just scared of talking to people they don't know 
right? So, you know, and just being willing to do that, um, you know, I'm not. <laughs> I have to do that, um, you know, and you, you can take that to d different directions, you know. If, if you're doing recruiting for a brokerage, you have to talk to all kinds of agents. You have to be out there and, you know, put the value proposition of your company in front of other people, right? And so to me, that's, it's the same thing with, you know, prospects. You know, this is someone that's looking, you know, it's easier to send information behind a keyboard. And, you right. know, it, it, takes an, it takes another level of confidence to be in front of a person and say, hi, I'm from Century 21 Redwood Realty. I'm here to property. Let's talk. Let's, you know, that that's, you have to build that part out. And so. Another thing that I think, you know, there's that famous saying that the fortune is in the follow-up, right? And yeah. and and yet very, very few actually do the follow-up or they'll call one time and never follow yeah. up again. How yeah. many times on average do you find that you're having to call and call and call? And, and when do you stop calling? I, you know, it takes about, I would say, a good 45 to 60 days to work an online lead, in my opinion. Um, and again, you know, the first call, like once a lead comes in, a prospect um, comes in, there's the email that goes out, there's the call, right? This is Billy from Century 21 Red Realty, inquire about this home, love to set an appointment, you know, let me know if you want to, when you're available, love to have one of our agents meet with you, provided that an agent's not already representing you, you know. And then there's the text that goes out as well, as well. And so I have three mediums of communications going, you know, within five minutes altogether. Um, and so the the idea behind it is, okay, you know, if I can't get them on the phone, if they able, if I'm able to get them via text, at least I, I'm having a conversation. Or you know, if none of them, one of them should work, right? And so you know, and then I have we have built-in programs, you know, through our CRM that I use. You know, with different, you know, it goes through. You just follow the, the the plan. It's like okay, on we contacted them on day number one, and then number three, if they're not if you haven't got any response yet, you call or you send a text or send a follow up email just to say, hey, you know, this is Billy again, checking in to see if you got whatever, you know, and just follow the prompt basically. And then if you don't, you know. 45 days after following the program, and if you, you don't get something, you know, at least a sign of life, or even after 60 days, like that to me, it's, okay, there's still somebody we can work with, but chances are, you know, either they're not, they're not right interested. now. Right, yeah. and so, you know, and then at that point, you move from trying to get them to an appointment to providing, continuing to providing values, right, and so, trying to move them to a different bucket where you can send them market updates, or, you know, um, I don't know some emails um, with some, you know, information about the area, providing them content, you know, and then you continue. Are so, you seeing more and more uh, text communication? Are you seeing that becoming a lot more prevalent? I think text has been around. People have just has haven't been paying attention, right? You know, and so it's you more know, of now, a younger generation thing, a bit, huh? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I've and done so, complete transactions via text almost, which is interesting to me. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you just have to understand the way people communicate. You know, yeah. one email is only one conduit. Some people just love to have somebody talk to them, you know, which is okay. Yeah. You know, I have a bit of an accent, and so sometimes it, it I gets know. It's warming. <laughs> it's like it's like cool that accent. It's like oh, it's enjoyable Thanks. to talk to you. 
Well, now you know why they put me on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, uh, I think a lot of different accents, like a southern accent goes a long way too, right? Like when people yes. are from like Atlanta or Georgia or something and they're, you know, their their twang kind of comes in. Like all those little accents are, they just, I don't know, they're different. And yep. what's funny, so I'm from California and I don't think I have an accent at all, right? But then when you go to, you know, the East Coast, you're like, oh, you have an accent, I, I and vice versa. So. Right. And then you try to get people to guess where you're from, you know, and it, it's always fun. Yeah, so, it would take me a bit with your accent. If I had not read your bio, I would be like, where are you from? You know? I, oh, people have asked me if I'm from Britain, which I was like, well, yeah, so Yeah, because it's very different. It's not... Uh, you, it's not easily identifiable. I'll put it that good. way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, which is a good thing, I would imagine, yes. right? Because <laughs> and people are so nosy and curious, you know. So right. the good thing about that is that it it kind of I think it probably drives a little bit of conversation, because it does. It does. They're gonna uh, want to know. They're gonna want to ask you questions, like where are you from? Right. What are you you know? What are you doing? Usually, usually a call like on a good day, a call will come in about a property and ends up saying wait a minute where are you from and so then like well i'm from the congo well no way yeah and then it goes into it and then like you know it's not really what i like to use as a hook but sometimes it, it does hook people right yeah and use so, what works right and then in the end of the day you know you're just having a good conversation with somebody and then you go back into well you know we're here to help you know i have an agent ready to meet you at a property um Anything else I can do for you? No, you've been, you know, and so the, the the handoff at that point becomes really natural, because you know I like to think that my experience talking to people sets a good precedent. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping it does. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so, um, and then when they they have the interaction with the agent and they have a great experience, that's all part of the package. And, and so, so do you get people that come back and want to talk to you again? They're like, oh, but I started talking with Billy. I want to, I want to talk. How? Where's he at? What happened to him? Does that? Yeah, do you I, have that it, problem at no, all? It never. I don't recall happening since I've been doing it, which is totally fine by me because the point is to essentially hand it over to the agent and have the agent carry that. And so you know, I'm just the the magician, the background making it happen. Um, would like I said, you're like Oz from the Wizard of Oz. That's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> and so you know, and to me, as long as the agent gets the due credit, right? You know, you do a fantastic job with the clients, and they love the agent, and they write a review for the agent. This is what warms my heart. And so you know, everything that I do, it's because of that, right? And so you know, it makes the agent looks good. You know, people are trusting the company. People are in love with C21 Redwood. That's the goal, right? We service, we delivered, and the agent gets further business from it. That's that's the key, you know. And to me, the greatest compliment that I would love to receive from our agent is to call me and say, "Billy, I appreciated all the leads, the prospect you sent my way. I can no longer take prospects from you because my sphere has just exploded." And so it will be a sad day, but it will be a joyful day as well, right? Because I'm like, oh, great. Now I have to find an agent to start taking, you know, prospects. The agents must love you. Well, Because they don't I, have to work that hard, right? Like they, I hope they do. <laughs> <laughs> they can come in and they have appointments set by you and they're all ready to go. So they, I hope that they're spoiling you rotten. If not, they should be. 
No, it, it, look, you know, like I said, everything is for their benefit. You know, the the kick that I when I took on this position, you know, well, let me backtrack. When I wasn't selling agent, I spent a lot of time into our flagship office in Ashburn, which is where I was practicing from, and so. You know, as an agent, I've noticed some seasoned agent and you know maybe newer, newer agent struggling with things that to me came naturally. So like design elements, technology, and you know whatever. And so I I ended up being you know the guy in the office that was always there to assist, whatever that assistance looked at. Eh? You know the computer wasn't working. You know Billy is there, he can help. Whatever. And so when the opportunity came for me to do it on a larger scale. Like I had to give up selling for that, which was okay. I didn't mind relinquishing that part of the business, at least to me, because what fed me in real estate was to assist people. And so when I'm, you know, when we have 400 plus agents looking to be assisted, that to me was a natural draw. And so I was, you know, I was drawn to it. And yeah, it, to this to this day, that's what feeds me in real estate. And so when an agent does well. You know, if I had a small imprint on that success, that's really all I care about. You know, the agent looks good, leads love, you know, prospect love the agent, the company looks great, at the end of the day, that's my goal. And so, are you happy that your father-in-law suggested you go into real estate? Yeah, I, I think he's taking a lot more credit to it now. <laughs> um, that, you know, and, and he's, he's a very brilliant man. You know, I, I have a lot of respect for my father-in-law. In that sense, because you know, I, he tends to see things, you know, at times when, and, and this is a gift that was essentially passed on to my wife as well. You know, they have the ability to see the best in people, even when they don't. When you right? can't and see so, yourself, you know, yeah. Right, and so you know, when I, when I was reluctant about joining, uh, becoming a, an agent, like for some reason, he thought he absolutely he was absolutely convinced that this was the right move for me um and i think that was also coupled with the fact that he wanted me out of his house <laughs> so he had he had a motivation <laughs> there right? That's so he was motivated on two fronts and so but you know to be bluntly honest i think he just saw potential where even myself i didn't see it and i was so enamored with the idea of working in international um international relations and um, that i was just Ignoring what might have been the golden nugget, what was right, right in front there. of you? Yeah. So, yeah, and and so he just brought that up in front of me and said, "I think you ought to really pay attention to this." And so, it wasn't easy, right? So, you know, waiting for my first transaction so that way we could pay some bills. And it, at that time, we had to short sell our home, you know, back in Portsmouth, Virginia, three hours away, living with them, and you know, it, it was just. Rough. Things yeah. were not looking good, right? And so, but even in the midst of that, there was he and my wife, and essentially my entire um, family were just re really supportive. And you know, uh, my first transaction in real estate was a rental. Oh, <laughs> I mean, wow. like oh, wow. I made three hundred, I think twenty-four dollars <laughs> as a commission. You know, but it, it, the experience taught me so much. And then you moved on from that, and you keep going at it, and then things just kind of opened up, and so. You know, I, yeah, that's the story. And so I think that that's awesome. So, how did you get involved? Before we wrap up today, I want to ask you about Inman. How did you get involved with Inman? I love that's another story. Yeah, yeah. So, um, my my boss Eddie Barenbaum, um, in when was it 2015? 
shortly after I became a, you know, I started working in lead management and whatnot, he offered to go to, oh, he offered me essentially a chance to go to Inman. And so it said, I think you'll get, you know, there's good training there. You'll get a lot of out of the conference. And so I, I was, San Francisco, Inman, San Francisco 2015 was my first Inman. And so I went there and I was brand new. And we had, in, in our staff, we have Tara Christensen, who's our um, director of training as well. Um, and so she's been an ambassador with Inman for quite some time. And so when I landed in San Francisco uh, last August, she was an ambassador and they had an f- informal gathering uh, of ambassadors. And they had this huge pen, you know, used pen on, on the chest that says, said, ask me anything. And she literally took that pen and put it on me. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I was talking to people and then people would just ask me questions. It's like, you know, hey, do you know where this is? It's like, look, I'm not an ambassador. <laughs> so that was my answer. But then, you know, I was like, okay, maybe I can find the information for them too. And so that, you know, that was my first sentiment. It was, was tremendous. Uh, I met some incredible people. Um, that week, both ambassadors and non-ambassadors. And then the last day, you know, just like any conference, um, Brad Inman just had that, this open mic. Yeah, he's awesome. He was like, hey, if you want to give some you know, feedback or whatever, here's the mic, you know, have at it. I think the first two people were you know, trying to give some constructive criticisms. And I was like, "Am I the only one that just had like a grand time up here?" Like, <laughs> and then, so I and, and I honestly went to the mic and I said, "Look, you know, I know everybody has something they want to say about improving the conference. I just wanted to say thank you because I was new to this whole thing and I had the best week ever. You know, yeah. the people I met, the connections I made, have been life changing. You know, and so and then I, you know, they asked me if I wanted to write like a takeaway from Men Men." You know, from a newbie perspective, and so I wrote my first internet article, giving sort of my, you know, takeaways from that, and that essentially led to being asked to be an ambassador in New York, and then in New York, which was an interesting, um, you know, experience for me. Also, great conference. You know, the first time I was ever in New York was when I was evacuated from the Congo, and so I landed in New York with nothing. Yeah. And then several years later, here I am, an ambassador at a, you know one of the premier real estate conference oh, in the wow. world. And, and so I was like, well, the duality here is, is, you know, and so I blogged about it. And then they got wind of this. Um, Morgan Brown and Brad Inman were like, oh my gosh, would you mind sharing your story at in San Francisco? And so I moved from being an ambassador to being a speaker at San Francisco. So I spoke at Inman Connect this past month. Yes. Um, yeah. I think went well. It went fantastic. Okay, good. Yes. Thank you. Um, and so, and that's that's essentially how my involvement with Inman started. One thing I would like to point out, though, is my first Inman, when I was getting ready to go, my boss sent an email out to some people, and I didn't know this until three days or two days in the conference. You know, somebody would say, "Yeah, your boss basically told us that you were coming and that we should pay attention to you." Had I messed some stuff up, <laughs> <laughs> right? And so, right? If if I didn't behave properly, or if I didn't represent the company well, yeah. whatever, it probably would have been a different experience for me. And so, you know, I, I always try to tell people: look, you go to these conferences, you know, just know that somebody's watching. Ambass- That's it. Yeah. You're an ambassador from your company, you know, or your brand, 
just be cognizant of that. And so I didn't know that he did that. And somebody, you know, already two days in the conference, they were like, oh, yeah, your supervisor or your boss sent an email out saying, hey, Billy's coming, first inman, just, you know, give him a warm welcome and whatever. And so. That's what that's I tell my teenage boys act as if your mama is always watching. <laughs> oh, I yes, yes. Eyes of a parents, man. You can't escape it. Exactly. So, um, exactly. Yeah. Well, it'll save you many times if you behave that way, right? It, it, it'll save your choices. And now with social media, it's so difficult. You know, everything you do is sure. recorded, and you have to remember that no matter what. You know. So. Right. And you're how old are your boys? Eight and six. Oh, they're so much fun. Yeah. Mine are seventeen months apart. So they're pretty close like yours, but mine are now 20 and 21. We just moved my boys. They're going, they're down in uh, Carlsbad, San Diego area, going to school down there. So, wow. Yeah. So I'm, my children are now all grown, grown and gone. So enjoy them because that age is so much fun. I mean, they're, Indeed. they're just a blast. So I, I still miss the part when, you know, they didn't really, you had to guess what they wanted. Yeah. And now they, they're being they're voicing their opinion and you're like wait a minute yeah <laughs> when did you start talking <laughs> yeah right, who's the a, parent here <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. why are you giving me advice oh trust uh, me it gets way worse way worse before it gets better and then all yeah. of a sudden one day they're like oh now i get it mom now i get what you were saying now you know yes it takes a yeah. while but eventually they come back around indeed that was me when we had a first son I literally called my mom and I was like, I'm so sorry for anything that I've done as a kid. She was like, I wonder why you would say that. Because now I know. You know You'll be when... saying that way more when they become teenagers. She'll be like, Mom, I'm sorry. Please, please take the hoax off me. You know, <laughs> Please. That's it. Yeah, that's the mother's curse, right? May you have a child just like you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's in the blood, I think. Well, Billy, this has been such a great conversation, and I know there are so many people out there who need to really understand the importance of, you know, following up with leads and making those calls. And I just, I love what you said about how you're a magician and a matchmaker. That's just so valuable. I think in, in, you're welcome. And the one thing, you just have to think of them as people, not so much as numbers and, yes. you know, you know, don't think of them as just another transaction. Think of them as generally people asking. And, and I think you approach, you know, it doesn't matter how many calls you make, how many, you know, um, what the price point is. You just approach it, you know, a million dollar lead or prospect is the same as a $200,000 prospect. They all, in the, in the end of the day, they're all looking for the same thing. Absolutely. They're looking for assistance. And so I don't treat one differently than the other. Um, that's just the way I approach it. And so, people not leads in my opinion I love and that, that makes all the difference yeah so. that's I think that's really the key to today's conversation so thank you so much for joining us I really appreciate it this has been a wonderful conversation and You're most and for all of our guests and listeners out there be sure to tune in to real estate real world subscribe over on iTunes and be sure to leave a great review your reviews help push us up in the ratings so Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Billy, for this great conversation and for doing everything that you do in the real estate industry. We are incredibly blessed to be in an amazing industry. And every time I talk to somebody like you, I'm reminded of how great it is. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Billy. Everyone go out there and make it a great day. Thank you for joining us today on Real Estate Real World. 
where we talk with masters and leaders in real estate and beyond on how we can raise the bar in our industry. Please subscribe over on iTunes. And while you're there, be sure to give us a review. Your reviews encourage us and help others find our podcast. For show notes and hot topics on what's going on right now in our real estate industry, hop on over to www.realestaterealworld.com and add your name to our email. Thanks again for listening. And go out there. Be a part of the elite masterclass in raising the bar on the real estate industry.